0: Alright, let's go to that Revelations chapter 2 that we'll be reading. I just want to highlight a number of things from there today as we start to study. Um, Okay, we'll just read from that uh, the letter to the church in Smyrna again, and then the one in Thyatira. But because we have read it many times, I'm just going to jump to a few relevant verses that I want for today. And then after that, um, we'll look at um, a few verses from chapter 3. Um, No, sorry, I think I'm missing it up. Sorry, I'm supposed to start from verse 12. Sorry, verse 12. Uh, It's the letter to the church in Pergamum, I wanted to say. Verse 12, And to the angel in the church of Pergamum write, The one who has the sharp two-edged sword says this, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast my name, and did not deny my faith, even the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you, where Satan lives. But I have a few things against you, because you have there some who hold the teaching of Balaam, who kept teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, to commit acts of immorality. Thus, you also have some who, in the same way, hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, say, or oh, else I'm coming to you quickly and i will make war with them again against them i will make war against them with the sword of my mouth now where i want is this verse 17 he was an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches to him who overcomes i will give some of the hidden manna and i will give him a white stone and a new name on the stone which one knows but he who receives it to so the angel of the church of thyatira write the son of god who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet are like Bonish bronze says this I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance. Verse 20 says, I have this against you that you tolerate the woman Jezebel and all of that. He now said in verse 23, uh, verse 24, but I say to you, the rest who are in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not known the so called deep things of Satan, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. And the one, and he who overcomes, and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and they shall rule them with a the rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter are broken in pieces, as I have, as I have also received authority from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He was an ear, verse 29, he who, he was an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, um, I'm going to read further, but I just feel like just reviewing the, what we, you know, we've read in a number of days. Just give me a moment to review this briefly. Now, am I'm emphasizing this, I just feel like explaining to us something that, which I believe is the need of God in this season. Uh, last time I explained about the words, the specific instruction, which I believe that the Lord Jesus has for his church at this time. And that was when I explained that he said we should have, that's some time ago now, not, not the very last time. He said we must go after what? Knowledge. We must depart from iniquity. I emphasized on the issue of knowledge, that we must know. Jesus wants us to know him, know his word. In fact, let me just start with this again, just briefly for a few minutes. At least know the letters. Are you getting my point? All right, the Spirit is the most important thing, but you start with imbibing the letters. Just make Bible reading a habit, so that the Holy Spirit can breathe upon the thing that is inside the Scriptures. That's one important thing. Now today I want to explain something again about the need that God has, alright? And I began that last time, but even though I didn't caption it like that, I just feel like explaining it better today. And you see, you know, the Bible says that surely the Lord God does nothing until he reveals his plans, his secret plans, to his servants, the prophets. He has to first reveal things to them before he can do those things. And the reason why he does it is simple, It is because he cannot, now listen, not as if he doesn't want to. He does not have the ability to do things without his servants, the prophets. That's because he designed it like that. Not as if he doesn't have the power, but that is what he has said. That is what he has prepared. That if I want to do anything, my servants, the prophets must be involved. And why must the servants, the prophets be involved? It is because the heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he by himself, he has given the earth to the sons of men. That's what he said. Now, so when he wants to do something, the first thing he does is to raise somebody up. He will, say he will raise somebody up to be able to speak for him. And that's what we we'll call, call prophets. Now, let me just really emphasize something. There are different calibers or caders of prophets in the Bible. And one of the ones I just want to mention is that to a certain extent, every child of God is a prophet in an area in life. In fact, that's a matter of fact. You know, when the Bible says I give some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, what it was explaining, all right, of course, is to build up the saints for the work of ministry. Now, what it, what happens is this: Paul said, "I want to come to you that I may impart a spiritual gift to you." What that means is that there is something that you are so, you you need to have to be able to perform f- properly in life. There is something you need to have. For the word of God to be able to flow through you, there is something you need to have for the work of God to be effective through your hands. Paul said, I want to come to you, I impart that thing to you. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. That's what I wrote to the Romans. So you find out that when he talk about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, they are all supposed to impart something into the child of God so that he will be effective in ministry. That is the primary thing that they're supposed to do. Now you now find that. Each person is impacting the spirit of apostleship. As an example, if the apostle preaches, he teaches you and the spirit of apostleship enters into you. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, what I'm emphasizing that is that when the prophet also speaks, a spirit of prophecy comes into you. What each person contributes into your life is needed for the effect you are going to have for God. Are you getting my point? Yes, In life, be careful how you re- relate with um, ministry. Now, Ministry of the word of God. Tried not to shut people off. Once I bought a book, my friend said, I, I went to his church and I saw in their bookshelf, I saw a book by one minister. It's not a minister he enjoys so much. So I bought the man's book. He said, what are you looking for inside this book? I said, maybe there's something inside that I need for my life. Let me collect it. You know, you get to heaven one day and God says, how did you do? I said, everything was okay apart from this area. Why did you not perform in that area? Miss said, I don't know. The Lord asked, did this man not talk to you? I said, no, I didn't like the color of his face. When the man is talking, he'll be talking like a bushman. So I refuse to listen to him. Oh no, he has this habit of talking like an American. When I know I know his village, the guy is from Aron Zogo, he'll be talking as if he's an American. So, so I shut him off from my life. And thereby I shut off the gift of God that was inside him, by which I would have been able to create an effect, you understand, have an impact in the lives uh, that, that is in the area that God said I should be effective. I shut off that gift. Why? The man talks like an American. Meanwhile, I know his father's village. So I told my friend that day. I said, listen, I need to listen to this. I need to read this. Let me just collect my own portion. So please be careful. That's how it is in life. Listen to somebody. If, he ha- if there's something that he has, take it. You don't have to be his friend. As a preacher, I used to listen to a lot. Somebody said, how is he doing? I said, I don't like him. I don't talk to him. It's somebody I should have been talking to. I said, but I don't like him. I don't like talking to him. It happened to, to before in my house, in my own house, this house. My wife, the one I, my who you all know. My wife, I annoyed that she didn't want to talk to me, but she was still come and listen to me. She's not talking to her husband, but she must listen to Pastor Banky. So this is my husband, very wicked, but Pastor Banky very anointed. <laughs> you get my point. <laughs> And look, that's, that's, a serious, that's something you must know how to you know, do in life. You know, Separate the man from his anointing. That's why Jesus said, you see the Pharisees? He so said, they sit in the seat of Moses. They'll be telling you things they are not doing. They don't mind them, but just do as they say. Do as they say, not as they do. Very important. Now, why am I saying this? So, you see, the spirit comes from, that's what God created preachers for they impart a spirit into you. They push a spirit into you. That's why I like to listen to preachers. There's I, I, I read this book once in a while. All right? The reason is that he, there's a spirit he passes into you. Those days he winners I'm on the road. I hear a winner person talk. You just know this fellow is from a winner. It doesn't have to be. There's this braggadocious confidence of faith that Bishop pushes into you. That is, you hear him talk. I still remember his first message, the first table listened to. The man just, you know, it's as if he has an inject, injection in his hand. When he meets you, he gives you, he jabs you a dose of faith. When you finish listening to him for one hour, all right, your faith will wake up. Your faith will wake up. If I actually, when people see him for the first time, is, there, is this the man? You know, you expect Goliath, you see David. And his name was what? David. Now that's what preachers do. That's what they are supposed to do. There was a time, I was, you know, a man who I was working with, he was doing me so much bad. And I knew that God wanted me to respond in love. You think I got up and decided that I will walk in love? Uh, try. Yeah. You can't just walk in love. What, love has to be walking in you. <laughs> so I went and looked for Carnegie's book, Love the Way to Victory. Or the Way of Victory, something like that. So I read the book, read it like twice to give me the capacity to love. Please, I want you to understand that. You know, I tell started, I, I started all of this by explaining that there are different levels of prophecy, of prophets. So when we're talking about prophecy what well, we all know it. That's one level. Their primary duty is to push the spirit of prophecy into the child of God. That's their primary duty. After that, each child of God is actually supposed to use the spirit of prophecy in every area of life that he or she has been placed in to have effect. I hope you're getting my point here. So, what I'm going to emphasize is that so it's not just those prophets that you know. Every child of God, to one extent or the other, is a prophet of some sort. If you're in a home, if you're a husband, of course, first of all, everybody's his own primary prophet. I hope you know that. You are your own most important prophet. You don't need somebody else to prophesy into your life if you are not prophesying into your life. All the prophecies a preacher will point to you, you can inactivate it with one word. The man can be there having fasted for only you for three days. Gone to the mountain for only you. Then he comes and listens on you and says, In the name of Jesus, thus is the Lord. When he finishes prophesying, you leave the place. The wife says, How was the prayer? The way that guy prophesies, I don't understand. The man said that ah, 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 by this time next year, breakthrough will come. Said, so does he know what's going on in this country? By just opening your mouth, you have inactivated everything. Yeah. One day my father in law said something very funny. <laughs> you know, my father in law is a Catholic. That day I laughed He eh. said, so one day he was in church, sitting with a friend of his. So they had you know they have this fire, fire, hot, hot reverend fathers. So one came daddy to come and preach. I was prophesying. You will not die. You will not die. He says friend, Prince the wife said, Come, we'll not go die. Pinch his wife. Somebody was preaching in front. The man just preached his wife and said, Hey, come on. Forget this guy. Who we'll no go die. I can't even say you we'll no go die. <laughs> if, you know, are you getting my point? A preacher is in front shouting, you will not die. The man they laugh for back. So they, I don't know where this reverend father came from. He got, he's copying this Pentecostal telling us we won't die. We will, we will die one day. <laughs> now, you see what I'm going to say here. When he told me this, way, that I had a very good laugh. He said, these are how people inactivate prophecies. Maybe, maybe that prophet was supposed to keep him alive for the next five years. He has said, I don't want. So, now that after 18 months, he said, well, why did he die? You will say he died because of an accident. He died because he was sick. But God says he died because one day, a prophetic word came that said, you will not die. And he laughed. That's why I said, you are your own most important prophet. No matter what is going on around, I mean, no matter the anoint with which somebody is prophesying into your life, if you don't prophesy into your own life, it's ineffective. That's number one. Number two, I, I was saying earlier if you're a husband, you're a father in the house, you are the most important prophet in the house. You're supposed to prophesy over your household, over your wife, over your children. So it's not only you don't need a pastor for that, that's your job. If you want to prophesy over your household, you don't need a pastor, you don't need to go and import a prophet. It is your job. A prophet is supposed to help you learn how to prophesy. Then you face your own household. and pro- That's what Christianity is about. You face your own household and prophesy over your, over your household. Now, I'm going through all of this to explain something that there are different levels of prophets. Every child of God is a prophet in a particular area. I'm just giving this as, a, as examples. Now, as part of it, if God puts you in a particular area in life, for example, You are a businessman. You know about the economy of a nation. You know about the business atmosphere. You become a prophet inside that place. Actually, that's what God wants. I don't know whether I get my point here. God wants prophets. So you become a prophet inside that place. Now, please follow me. So God can't do anything, the Bible says, except he reveals his plans, his counsel to his servants, the prophets. So these prophets are not only the prophets you know, each person is a prophet in that area. And if God wants to do something, the first thing he does is to reveal his plan to somebody in that area. Are you getting my point here? That is, for example, we pray for our country. You pray for the society. Then God wants to answer your prayer and do something, let's say, in law enforcement. He has to raise his prophet. You're praying generally. You can say something. It's good. But he has to raise somebody inside there who can speak a word, are you getting my point, directly into the area? He has to. That's how he operates. He doesn't do anything except he raises prophets here and there. Now, what I'm going to say here is this. When I say this is God's greatest need in this hour, that's exactly what I mean. Many things we have been praying for, the Lord is saying that he doesn't have enough prophets to use in many of the areas that Answers have been expected. Say, is that possible? Let me say something to you again about the Lord. It is not everything he is looking for that he finds. We must understand how things are. Now, why we need to emphasize that is that so you know that you have a responsibility. You don't push everything over to God. You don't just put everything over to him that once the God wants, he will find. Sometimes you must bear in mind that let me give you an example now. If the Lord sent, sends you now and said, listen, there's a kind of work I want to do in, let's say, a Boeing state. All right? Let's, let me use ministers as an example. There's a kind of preaching I want done there. And then, and then through many methods, he sends you as a preacher to go there. Now, there's a mental attitude we have sometimes that if one man doesn't go, another person will go. Okay? Now, you can believe that, generally speaking, but specifically, it's actually not true. Sometimes God can't find somebody else to go. It is important you have that attitude that if I don't go, it is possible nobody will go. We have this wrong idea. Now, I'm emphasizing the word wrong to just think that God will just find somebody else. No, He doesn't always find. How do I know? He said it Himself. I looked for a man, one man. I did not, two. And I did not find. You know, sometimes we have concepts. We just have this general idea in our minds. But listen, anytime you want to hold on to a concept, make sure it is clear from scriptures, not just a general thought. The other day, my wife was having a discussion with some people. You know, used, I, said, I told my wife, I said, this is common sense Christianity. What I'm mean by common sense Christianity. You know, you know this one saved, always saved, fun thing. You've heard it before. My mother said that, no, I, I was not saved by my works. So I cannot be condemned by my works. Are you saved by your works? No, answer I me. Mean, us No. So the man is saying that for that reason I should not be able to be condemned by my works. Well, it makes common sense, but is that what the Bible says? So I told my wife, "This is common sense Christianity." Let us now begin to look at what the Bible says. What did the Bible says in the Book of Hebrews when it was saying that there were some in chapter five who first believed but they have now departed. What did it say about them? What did Jesus say about he not erasing people's names? It means names can be erased. You are getting the concept here. So, when people tell you, once it, no, let me not even sit on it. The point is that they were having the argument, I told my wife, this is common sense Christianity. In fact, the person in the argument and said, Listen, I, it has ne- that I am so sure it has never crossed my mind that I will not make the rapture, I will not go to heaven. My wife just posted one scripture let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. Are you getting my point here? Make sure that you understand. Let your doctrine be based not on common sense. Not common sense must be scriptures. For example, you say that God can do anything. That's common sense. Look at the scriptures. Is it true that God can do anything? You start asking yourself, what are the things that he said? Not me. What he said he cannot do. For example, we know, just to make it easy, it is impossible for God to lie. And Let me tell you the truth. God cannot save somebody that will not agree to be saved. Yeah, that's a matter of fact. These are issues we, we, we must bear in mind. If somebody will refuse to be saved, God can, he doesn't have the ability to save them. They don't, they don't, salvation will be by force. It is when that calls upon him that will be saved. Please, let's get those points clear. It is possible for God to be looking for somebody and not find. Why? We have examples in the Bible. Is that not why God shouts and asks, who shall I send, who will go for us? Is that not in your Bible? Why does it do that? People need to volunteer. You think you can't tell God no? Many people have told God no. Their, Their stories are just not in your Bible. There are many. God came to Jeremiah. Before you were born, I knew you. You know, we just assume that once God knows you before you were born, you will do his will. Listen to me, it's not true. There were other Jeremiah's. There was some um, Zereniah, Boboniah. Yeah, you remember? But there were nias all over the place that God spoke to, and they said that you don't know how to build the house first, and they did not listen. Please, I want us to bear that in mind. As a matter of fact, it is possible for God to call somebody, and the person says no, and believe me, no is no. That is when the fellow says no. God says, Leave him alone. They did he not say, Many are called? Amongst the many, you think he jokes? He doesn't joke. He called the many. Most of them did not answer him. Most did not respond. So, amongst those who responded, he was able to choose. He said, Few are what? Chosen. And let me add another one too. Even though Jesus did say it, he said it elsewhere. Amongst those who are chosen, few are faithful. Even fewer are faithful. Because what he wants are the called, the chosen, and the faithful. Now, please bear this in mind. So, don't think that if somebody doesn't go, another person will go. Another person may go, but it's not compulsory. God has to look. And at times he's looking for, and he doesn't find. He went to Sodom and Gomorrah and looked for how many righteous people? Ten. So that he will not destroy the cities. Did he find? No. He did not find. God does not like to destroy people. He only destroys when he doesn't find the reason to spare them. So I want us to bear that in mind. God does not always find what he's looking for. The fact that he is God doesn't mean he always finds what he's looking for. Now I want you to bear that one in mind as a matter of personal responsibility. So if you neglect to do something, it may never be done. And there are things you need, you will not get. Because somebody else refused to do his work. It is sad. But God just tied us together like that. I don't like it, but I met it like that. I didn't create the idea. Is that true? Yes, it is true. Let me ask you another simple question. When did Joshua enter the promised land? When they left Egypt or 40 years later? Answer me. When did Caleb enter the promised land? When they left Egypt immediately or 40 years later? Let me ask you another question. Why did people stay 40 years in the wilderness? Was it not because they, dis- they tempted God? They limited the Holy One of Israel? They doubted His word? They disobeyed? Three of us? Did Jeremiah, did Joshua join in that disobedience? Did Caleb join in the disobedience? Did he enter one day ahead of the rest of them? Say your brethren, can you all ruin your life or not? So there are things you are looking for. because ah, you have yeah, prayed, don't worry. I will give you in heaven. So why not on the earth? So the boys that I said should bring it, they have gone to Serbia. One is now in South Africa. One is in America now. The other guy here just moved to Argentina. So he said, sorry, in your lifetime, I will take good care of you. But that thing you were hoping for, it's another generation that will bring it into your country. It's sad, but it happens. That's why each person is supposed to just do his part. There are things we are praying for. eh? I'm not saying there are no anyone. okay? But some of them, God say, Ah, banky. All you prayers. I like all of you. But let me be honest with you. As things are right now, I need another generation to arise and do this. Because the previous generation, they have failed totally. Look, don't think you are... Look, let me tell you something. You are not a... Ah, which word do I use now? You are not just a, one of the many people. No. You are one unique person. And whatever you refuse to manifest that God said you should, you have denied many people, some that belongs to them. Ask my wife, some that will be talking. You know, maybe I go out, people tell me, ah, oh, this is Pastor Pan, God bless you. I've been, I've, look, I've been blessed by what you're your teaching. Are. You know, I hear that a lot, just like when we were praying earlier. I heard a lot. There are times I tell my wife, you know, I literally... Shiver, small, get a bit of goose pimples. I start remembering opportunities I also had, not to do this work. Yes, you know, I'm just wondering that. What if I had refused? Good reasons, for that, for everybody. Everybody has said, no, that guy made a good choice. People have to, people told me that many times. Listen, people like you, you don't belong in this country. If you go to UK. Your 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 intelligence will manifest. Friend of mine pushed me, pushed me those early days. Played this visa lottery, played this visa lottery, play, 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 play. Not the one you could play. This was before you could do online. You had to carry paper and go to America. So that anybody going to US at an envelope full of letters to post. The this was long ago. I said I don't want to go to the US. Finally, after a long time, he did all the persuasion, so I signed where well, I said I should sign. Carry paper, go America. I'm like, what kind of thing is this? Then, I don't know what came out of it. I don't know. Years later, this was after had, this time I had married and all of that. My younger brother did. he was doing business. You know, he knew the, the, that that time online thing was now up. He was there one day. He not say my wife should come and play. You know, it's free. You just sit down, they photograph you. So he checked my wife's form. He said, "You wrote married though." And yes, she's married, so that your husband's face has to be here. So my wife said, "Are you uh, here come and sit down. I said, eh? <laughs> now, in all honesty, she wasn't trying to go to America. Trust my wife, I know her very well. Just let just see if they give us a visa, we'll collect it. So we want to travel, just be traveling anyhow, you know, that kind of thing. So she came to me and said, sit down and take photo. I told her, I said, tell my brother to take photo for me. He said, No, no. You now you have to do fingerprint. I don't know what I do, fingerprint. I think it's just picture. I said, Waiting man, no one chop. Me, no one May not sniff him. It's called lead us not into temptation. Why are you not leading yourself? And so my brother deletes all her own data. <coughs> I said, No, thank you very much. I like it here. Not as if I don't understand how fine the country is, how you can earn dollars. I know what my colleagues there are earning. But that's not the reason why I was born. What I'm trying to say is that there are times I just remember all of those things. I remember counsel people give. Now let me just say something to you. You say you can do this ministry from America. Listen to me; anybody tells you that they are lying to you, it's not true. Your ministry has a geographical attachment. Yeah. It does. It does. I can't even do this from Lagos. I can't. I can't even do this from Port Harcourt. It has to be a Nuku. Why? I don't know. I didn't, make the, I, I didn't set up the, the, the ministerial arrangements. He did. I would just collect it and put somewhere where I fit. Now, all I'm going to say is that you know, there are times, my wife and I talk We we'll talk about it once in a while. I just be, can you imagine that I refuse to do this? Can you imagine that I chose that, let me open a clinic and make money? I will make the money, I will build the houses, my cars will be fine. Two of my children will be schooled in America. Trust me. I'll do all of those things. And you will not know, listen to me, you will not know what my generation is missing. All say, there are things we are missing right now and we don't even know it. That's why Jesus said the, the harvest is what? Plenty. The laborers are few. He now said Pray to the Lord of the harvest that we push out laborers into the harvest field. It's a problem. It is a problem. That's why sometimes there are people I look at and it breaks my heart. I just say, You are depleting our forces. You are depleting our forces. I was telling you the other day that I went to minister in Sokoto and I was hearing testimonies. The last Saturday, I wasn't around. I was in Sokoto Ministry. So, one of the brothers there was teaching me testimonies of what God did for them. How God helped them to keep the hand of Boko Haram down in that area. Many of us don't know that many times those boys came. But mysteriously, the military will find out. And they will engage them. They will engage them in firefights, kill all the Boko Haram boys off. And then you hear there is peace in the northwest. This happened again and again and again. He said he did not ask themselves a question. What happened in the northeast? There are many answers. But among the answers, there's one that my man of God said to me that was so striking. He said he perceived that the people that God kept there to keep the gates, they left. Because the peace they were enjoying, he gave me the background to it. Prophetic words came before them when they went to pray. Ah, they pray hard prayer. My friend was their chairman that time. They said, let's go and get bomb detectors. He told them, when you are have fully detecting the bomb, what do you do next? So you come to our church, we detect your kind in a bomb. So? You know those people, what do they do? They detonate. So the detector, that is the detector machine, the detector man, <laughs> the people around him, Everybody has gone. So he said to them, you know getting bomb detectors won't help us. So they said, what do we do? He said, we need to do the thing that makes us Christians. Let's go and pray. And they began to pray. They prayed until prophetic words came out to strengthen their hearts. And the things that were prophesied, they began to see come to pass. The military men said, "How how we used to find out when they entered is mysterious. I gave you a testimony on Tuesday, of which the men, one of the, the garrison commander just told his boys, just go and do small patrol in that area. It looks like there's funny movement. Those ones, just a few soldiers were going. Next, they knew was gunshot. shot, serious ammunition in their directions. Of course, they ducked and <laughs> called for support. Those ones reappeared with artillery, blew the building to pieces and shot the place up. Pick like ten or eleven or twelve Boko Haram boys they had killed. That was the end of that insurgence. And on that day they will come again. God will just open the secret for the soldiers. Those guys will go there and they know what they know they know their, their job. Clean the place out. The place became that is for all the trouble in the north, they hardly entered the news. That all things I'm telling you, you no, know, you don't get in the news. You, you don't know how it they happen. So my friend said, what happened in the Northwest? He said, I perceived that the people that God said, go and do this thing that we did here, they looked and said, there's no money here. They looked and said, here, now, let me go to where it is safe. They disappeared. Thereby leaving the doors open for that wrath to be executed. I wanted to take a personal note of responsibility from these things I'm saying. Don't just assume. That's why sometimes my wife and I will be talking. I say, baby you know we could have refused to do this. We could have refused to do this. Many times I get testimonies of what the word we are releasing from here is doing the lives of people. That's when sometimes, you know, the shiva will just pass through me. And then I say, okay, there are people that God called. You know, this job, I'll be nice with you. Forget the pastors, you see, driving big, big cars and all of that. This job, Apostle, you know, the work. You know, they, they, know they pay home. Let's tell ourselves the truth. Ministry is not where you come to get money. Yeah. It's not where you, go, you know. You forget that thing. Just get it clear. One day I parked my This is my car I'm driving when I first bought it. That time I parked here. I came up. One boy saw the car. That time it was, I, I, it was new, that time. Shining. The guy said, eh? And those who used to come here to hear the word were not up to half of what we have now. He said, eh? So this small place, for those who don't know, this, this pillar was where we... That's why this place is a bit different up here. They say, from that speaker to that where that that light is, where that thing stops, is barricaded like that. So we only were inside this small place. So he said, this small place is where you will gather enough money to buy this car. (laughs) Yeah, that's what he told one of our guys. What he did not know was that to pay for that motor... I had to drive to Newe all the time teaching medical students. Because one of my friends, they are company finance. As soon as they pay me salary, I transfer all the money to pay them. But he's a pre pastor. He's driving a car. It's a fine ride, sharp car. So this ministry must be paying. I looked at him. I didn't, I didn't see the guy. Somebody reported to me, Oh, foolish Galicia, may God have mercy on you. Go and enter ministry. That is why they enter. No, listen. That is why they enter. And they start doing all kinds of things. They, look, that's when they enter and they start doing all kinds of things. Because in fact, there are people that they make them a branch pastor. Celebration. In fact, they do on their bed. They, tell, they let the chief deacon know what is expected. My wife was telling me about one of her friends one day, she, she tired for their church. They go one, 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 one branch of one big church where well, this man is a bishop, <laughs> they made this couple pastor. My friend, my wife said this to her friend got tired. Every little thing, they're on the phone calling her because she has a big job. She has a lot of money. One day, when you church, they, they say, "Okay, want to buy something?" She so plays two hundred thousand, something like that. They are the pastor. They know. They eh? They call and say, "He uh-huh. you play two hundred thousand, so you have that kind of money. Where's my own portion?" I'm not kidding. So I'm not kidding. I'm not joking. I told my wife, "Why are we having this discussion? The guy not get no sense. Get up and leave the church now. Yeah. No, be branch. Yeah. Go to another branch. You don't even have to leave the denomination. <laughs> you don't have to leave the denomination. Go to another branch. That is the reason why many people look. There are people when they promote them pastor, or well, they, in fact, one brother that said, "He that, said they don't open your own shop for you now." <laughs> I'm not joking. His church sent him to go and start another branch. He said, Ah, oh wow, congrats, so they don't open your own shop for you. <laughs> Why? Well, because you see pastors driving big moto. You hear that it was our pastor's birthday. We all contributed money and brought uh, this amount. Listen to me. That is a minority. Most pastors. You know, my friend in the north, one day he told me, uh, We had a discussion. Some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You contribute to that. You know, you, you send off friends once in a while. I'm, I know that. He said that there are people who have labored. He said he knows one man that he has that that this is a man of integrity. He has labored, going to villages. He started a church in one of the northern cities and left it. That is not what God called me to do. God wants me to be going to the northern villages. So he'll be going to the villages. He handed that church to somebody else and started going in, going in. But as he's going in, going in, going in, children are growing. So once his student got admission to university, they had to decline. The man could not pay. Admission to university, admission letter, They couldn't go to school. The man couldn't pay. So one day, his, one of the man's children got admission to one federal university. So, you know, it's so funny. You need money. You call, you'll be calling somebody like Pastor Corey. Does it make sense? But he called my friend and was like, you need money. Because the boy has admission again. He needs to go to school. The father said, I don't have anybody else to turn to. Is there anything you can help me with? What is the money he was looking for? 70000 naira. So he thought my friend would send him like 10000 because of that project that you know he, he told me about, it. I said, set, set up an account for those who want to sponsor real missions in those areas. Not the one, you know, there was one we were with last time. That's not the one. This was only over a year ago. So he agreed to set it up. So a few monies, we you know we'll talk about it. People, a few things were flowing here and there. So he just told that man, all right, how much is the money? He went in there. The money was up to that amount. He just gave the man the whole money. That man almost fainted. A man who, for more than 20 years, I've been preaching from here to there. Being a preacher doesn't make money. Forget that. It's a sacrifice. No, it's a sacrifice. It is a sacrifice. It is a sacrifice. Oh, God, I pray you get it. It's a sacrifice. My man, what is his name? Yeah. John G. Lick. In, those, in today's day, he will be clearly a multi-millionaire. But even those days, he reckoned I had up to a million dollars. A man who died, this is the turn of the century. I'm talking about 1910, 1920. Imagine a $1 million dollars over a hundred years ago. He sold everything to go and preach in South Africa. To enter boat, he had to pray till God sent money. For him and his family and his few workers. They said to get to South Africa. To land, you needed to show them you had money to sustain yourself for a while. He didn't have a dime. He said, God, I have come this far. He joined the queue. Then somebody tapped him. Asked him a few questions. Handed him some money. Just before it was his turn, he showed them the money. That's how he entered South Africa. He arrived. There was nothing. The woman was there waiting, looking up and down. Finally, the woman encountered him and said, are you an American?" He said, yes. How many are you in the family? I have a wife, I have seven, no, not small, like seven or eight children.